The song we just sang is a wonderful song. It's a wonderful prayer. And in those 24 phrases were contained specific applications of what I want to speak to you generally about. As we sang more holiness give me in 24 varieties of that statement, we spoke of different things that we could do better that would please Christ more and conform ourselves more perfectly to Him as we concluded with the 24th. And so there were some specific things in that song that you can look at and consider if you want to put this, gives legs to this sermon and put this sermon into practice. I will not be long. I understand the time. I understand that we praise the Lord a little differently in this second service today. I just want your attention for a few minutes about why you live. And why do you care about living? And why are doctors so important? And why is medicine so important? And why is exercise, nutrition, and vitamins so important? We want to grip the priority that we ought to have for living for Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Look at Romans chapter 14 with me. I gave you these two verses in the preparatory email. They were not part of your reading, but they were in the body of the email. I just want to read them to you to help the Lord get our attention with His precious Word. Romans 14 and verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Romans 14, 8 now. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, We are the Lord's. Of course, I could keep on reading, but I'm going to stop there at those two verses. They're wonderful. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. No man liveth to himself. No man dieth to himself. We are the Lord's. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Lord, speak to us by your precious word. Convict us, convince us, convert us, conform us to our brother Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.20 According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so the apostle was content to remain in this world alive here because he could benefit the Philippian church and other churches as well. But he understood and he teaches us in these words, to depart and to be with Christ is not just better, it is far better. But this world and your flesh and carnal Christianity and the devil want to keep you occupied with this life so that you do not understand that dying is better than living. I have no red Kool-Aid nor am I thinking in that direction whatsoever. Working out for the proper end has its place. 
Going to a doctor a reasonable number of times has its place. But Christ must be first, by far and away above all of it, as these two verses, these two passages have plainly told us. Man has a very powerful instinct and a craving desire to live. Yet men rarely identify the proper thing to live for. David and Paul knew what to live for. And that's what made them exceptional men. And I want you to be exceptional for the Lord. The desire to live is merely animalistic. Animals have an instinctive desire to survive. There's a much higher calling for men to use the life that God's given you. When I say living for Christ, I mean it's to know Him more perfectly. And it is to please Him more perfectly. It's that. It's That's all that it is. It's to know Him more perfectly and to please Him more perfectly. By the first, we're closer to Him in fellowship. By the second, we honor and serve Him and His kingdom better. I fear the level of carnal Christianity all around us and how it encroaches into our own lives takes away our proper emphasis. Matthew 24 and verse 12 says, in another context, but it teaches us wisdom, Iniquity shall abound, and therefore the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity is abounding. Now that was a different context. Iniquity is abounding in our country. It's abounding by those who call themselves Christians. It is so readily available at our fingertips everywhere all the time. The love of many waxes cold because of it. And so we we need reminders like this for the Lord to revive our love and for us to revive our love toward Him. The Bible does say keep yourselves in the love of God. It takes effort and work to keep yourself loving God the way you should. Look at what Paul wrote like. We are not our own. Our lives are not our own. Our death is not our own. We are the Lord's. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And it's far better to depart and to be with Him. Let's not get so focused on this life. You young men, as you find jobs and you get promotions and you get advanced on your jobs, it thrills my natural being. I'm very thankful for God's mercy towards you and blessing you and knowing that your income is going up and that you you expand your houses and you expand your families and you can bring your wife home with fewer hours and all kinds of... I love all of that. I have all the the drive and ambition and desire to succeed and compete as anybody does. But it's got to be secondary. We go to work as a necessary evil to live for Christ. Our jobs are not the end of our lives. A wife is not the end of our lives. Young men that are not yet married. Christ is the end of your life. And if you'll put Christ first, you stand the best probability and chance of having a wife the soonest and the best wife. Because He's the Father of all girls. There's a Father you need to please and it's the father of your, it's, it's your, the heavenly father of the woman that you want to marry. We want to keep things first. It's very wrong to have mental contentment with doctrine like I preached this morning. You're mentally assenting that what I preached was the truth to have assemblies and go through a form of religion and then to live six and a half days for yourself. We want to live seven days for the Lord. You can live for the Lord on the job. You can live for the Lord doing dishes. You can live for the Lord at a gym as long as that gym is in the right place for the right purpose and it's just to have greater strength for Him. It's not to build something impressive for this world. Your body isn't impressive. It's your soul that's impressive. And let's give it to the Lord in the way that the Apostle would. I'm not, I am not condemning anything in and of itself. 
I am condemning a wrong priority. And I hope that you all understand that. And none of you are sitting there defensively because of things I'm saying. I am saying things that some of you don't have in the right order. You make some things too important. And it must be Christ. We want Christ-centric lives where Jesus Christ is always and only the center of all that we do, think, and say. Whether exercise or medicine or nutrition or vitamins or food or anything, why prolong life unless there's going to be a total devotion to godliness? Why does it matter to you to prolong life? Unless that life is going to be lived one day at a time for the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalm this morning, 61, is perfect for today. Romans 11, God electing us, sets a wonderful stage for this consideration. I want you to turn now to one verse of Scripture, and I hope that you'll have it memorized when I finish in a few minutes. And that is Psalm chapter 27, the 27th Psalm in the fourth verse. The Lord grabbed me a week ago, being absent from you, And strangled me with this verse and it felt so good. Conviction is wonderful. I wanted to jam it down throats. I wanted to preach it from the housetops. I want to live it. And I have as much struggle keeping my priorities straight, though my priorities are different in years as anyone. Lord, help us. One thing... Have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Psalm 27.4 One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Is the Lord's house and the Lord and the house of the Lord the most important thing to you? Well, let's find out very quickly. If you want details on knowing how to do this, you may go to our website and find the little magnifying glass in the toolbar at the right hand top, top right hand side of the home page. You can click on it and type to live for Christ. Pull up a sermon outline that's five pages long and it goes through the details of how to do it. I don't want to deal with how to do it. I just want to get your attention so that you can be like David and so that you can be like Paul. I've read Paul's two verses that I'm going to read to you and I could read many, many more. I could go to Philippians chapter 3 and talk about him counting all things but dung for the knowledge of Christ Jesus his Lord. I could go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and preach to you about him making this logical decision that since Christ had died for him, then obviously he was dead and the life that he now has should be lived for Christ. We could go and go and go. I gave you two. And they're precious verses about Paul. But now I'm giving you David. And since you didn't hear it the first two times, one thing have I desired of the Lord... That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That's David. David got himself too many wives because David loved women and David loved love. David built himself fancy houses and David had houses, but I want to tell you something about David. 
David made a lot of mistakes in his life, and David confessed those mistakes, and God forgave him for those mistakes. But when his wealth multiplied, and he had delivered himself, God had delivered him from all his enemies, he did not sit around and take it easy. All he could think about was living for the Lord. Right here. This is, this is just typical David. It's just a good verse for us. It's the one the Lord used to get my attention. One thing. One thing. How many things have the priority in your life? How many things? Where does the Lord fit in? Is he a sun, is there a Sunday compartment for him that only lasts a few hours? A godly man is single-minded with one primary passion and purpose for living every day. You still go to work, but you go to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. You minimize your investment there to provide for your family and be a prudent and diligent man because you know that there's a higher calling, and that is to serve the Lord in His house, His church. God will not accept a double-minded passion or purpose in a man. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the riches of this world. It's the business life of this world. If you neglect that, neglect his, if you neglect the invitation of God to the gospel feast of his local church, his kingdom, his house, you're making a horrible choice. Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen. What's the one thing that's the most important to you? You know, to miss a church service when you don't miss work, to miss a church service when you don't miss a doctor's appointment, do you know what it says about you? Because the two things I just compared the house of the Lord to are really low. I'm not saying very many of you do that, but I just want to get everyone's attention. We want the house of the Lord to be the most important thing to us because David said it and Paul said it, and we want to be like David and Paul. We want them to convict us today. In James 1.8, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so it says in James 4.8, Purify my heart and unite my heart in James 4.8 so that I'm single-minded for the things of the Lord. Are you known for only one thing? What consumes you? When people have a conversation with you, what, where does the conversation go? Is it about your health? Hell, why? We... We don't really care in comparison to the things of heaven. Is it your job? I've already told you I care, but I don't really care. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to talk about work? You want to talk about diligence? You want to talk about rewards and a paycheck? Then talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? who finished the work that his father gave him to do and said it was finished on the cross of Calvary, was promoted to the high throne of heaven and sits at God's right hand, enjoying pleasures forevermore. Now that's a promotion. And he's going to promote us to be right there beside him. We're going to sit in his throne if we're overcomers. According to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, how are we an overcomer? By making the house of the Lord first in our lives. Was it first in Jesus' life? Was he exhausted? By people coming to Him continually with their burdens and their troubles and their legal problems and their accusations and their questions and their sicknesses and their diseases. Did He do it anyway? Did He get tired? Did He get thirsty? Did He get discouraged? Did He get angry? But He continued on. No wonder David would pray for God to unite his heart to fear God's name so that we don't have a divided heart. I love seeing the children come in here. Little Molly was running around this morning. It blessed my heart abundantly to walk in here and see little Molly looking like little Megan 
And little Megan's now looking like her older sisters. All your children are growing up and they're precious. Mm -hmm. But they're not really precious. Do you want to know something that's precious? To those that believe, He is precious. 1 Peter 2.6 And do you know why He isn't precious enough? Because we don't think about Him enough and we get too distracted and give our minds to all these other things and they become precious by choice because we dwell on them. We can go to work and we can love Molly and we can love Megan and we can love all of our children. We can still love the Lord Jesus Christ first. And they should see that, sense that, smell that, know that, that the love of Christ pervades my home. It, it, it drives my mother and my father. They love the house of the Lord. They love to sing His praise. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing. One thing. Not two things. Not five things. One thing. If you seek the kingdom of God first, He'll take care of everything else in your life. You think you can plan your career out better than the God of heaven? You compare your career, your fast-track career compared to Joseph's. Daniel's, Esther, Moses. Who? Compare your career development to them. What did they put first in their lives? Always righteousness and the Lord's house and the Lord Himself. And the Lord took care of them. That's the order we want to have. We want Josephs in this church. I want to look at young men in this church and see a Joseph. And expect at the age of 30 the Lord will have put him on some throne. Because he puts the Lord first. When Mrs. When Mrs. Potiphar comes by, he says, how can I sin this great sin against God? Because the Lord and the Lord's house is all important to him. One thing have I desired. Do you desire it? Godly men have desires. They have passionate ambitions and cravings. But those desires are on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you relate to David when he says, As thirst the heart for water brooks, so thirst my soul, O God, for thee. If you haven't uttered words like that recently, then go beg God to forgive you for not uttering words like that and think upon Him more frequently. Choose whatever means it takes to have the Lord in your life more. Why was David like that? David had stuff. David had women. David had ambitions. David was a very virile young man. But he craved the Lord. And he hated being away from Him. Daniel used Psalm 61 today. And in Psalm 61 it speaks of David being, of David being far away. It says this over there. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Was David at the end of the earth? Living among the Philistines when you were an Israelite was at the end of the earth. From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed within me. God delivered him and gave him the heritage of those that fear his name, brought him back into Jerusalem, and then Absalom chased him out of there. And when he left, when he left Jerusalem, and Zadok the priest came out with the Ark of the Covenant and said, we're going to bring this with you. He, he loved the house of the Lord and he knew that the Ark belonged with the house of the Lord. And he said, you go back in there If God will have mercy upon me, I'll return to it. And oh, he did return to it. And what did he do for the rest of his life? He gathered with all his might to build the temple of the Lord, even though the Lord wouldn't let him build it. Where is your heart? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What's your treasure? Is it your family? Is it your physical health? Would to God we had more dying church members that were full of the Holy Ghost and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And if you say that's cruel, I'll be first. 
Just remind me. I'd, I just know, I just believe the Bible. When Paul says it's far better to depart, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's, we want to think that way. We want to always be thinking that way. Be thinking that way right now. All men have desires. Where are your desires? What are they? Where are your affections? Where have you set them? What do you love? What do you, what, what's driving you? What do you crave? What are you looking forward to? It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be His house. We've had a wonderful opportunity in here today. I'm sorry that there are so many imposter churches around us that you think we're doing nothing special. But in the scheme of the universe, this church has a blessing and a position with God greater than the angels have. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. The angels look to see the wisdom and the love of God for His church, not for them. He has promoted us over them. They are our servants. One thing... The worship, every every way you sing, everyone that you speak to, are you encouraging them? How are you using the joint and part that you are of this house of the Lord? One thing have I desired, because David did desire it, of the Lord. Because the Lord gives this. And we need to ask Him to give it to us. The prayers of most men are so selfish, they near blasphemy, and they get no answer. Because if you pray for something to consume it on your lust, even if it's for a longer life, that doesn't get heard by God. He doesn't care that you want to live longer. That's consuming it on your lust. I'll tell you how... Do you know where I would go if I was to show you how you pray for a longer life? Do you know where I, where I would go? Do you know what I would tell you? Why would you pray for a longer life? Lord, if you cut me down, this mouth can no longer praise you. If you put me in the grave, this will be silent. The Lord hears that prayer. A man prayed that and got 15 years added to his life. His name was King Hezekiah. David prayed that often because he was so near death so many times in his life. And he he reminded the Lord, you remember, I love to praise you. And David, there was few men like David that loved to praise the Lord. But what i got to ask you is, how much do you praise the Lord? You can't make that prayer unless you love to praise the Lord. What Hezekiah say in the next verse in Isaiah 38? He said, The Father to the children shall declare thy truth. You give me 15 more years, I will use that time to declare truth to my children. Not to live longer, not to go out to eat more, not to live and breathe, get up, eat, go to bed, get up, eat, go to the doctor, go to bed, get up, eat, go to the doctor, watch a television program, go to bed, get up, eat, go to the doctor. What are you going to the doctor for? So that you can go to the doctor the next time? What are you going to the doctor 10 times for? So you can go to the doctor 20 times? Your soul's far more important than your body. That's what I'm trying to say. Your spirit's far more important than your body. Are you putting as much effort and conversation and timing And, oh, this doctor is so good. The Lord Jesus Christ is good. He has already healed your spirit and soul and cleared the books of, the law books of heaven and he's gonna change your body like no doctor can even imagine. And we wanna remember that, that priority of the Lord. The Lord's gotta do this for us. If your prayers are directed toward him and his church, your life will be directed toward him and his church. The prayer that puts a priority upon the house of the Lord, the Lord will bless that man with everything else that man needs. Think Solomon. 
Solomon prayed for the Lord's great people. I don't know how to go out or to come in before them. They're your great people. Give me an understanding heart so that I can be a wise leader over them. He didn't pray for riches. He didn't pray for a long life. He didn't pray for his enemies. He just prayed to be a good church member. What did he get? He was a good church member for 20 years. The Lord gave him wisdom above all men, plus the Lord gave him riches, plus the Lord gave him long life, plus the Lord gave him all his enemies until the latter years of his life. Oh, we can do this, brethren. When the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock, what is the prayer request in Luke 11, verse 13, that the Lord just assumes you're going to be asking him for? It's Luke eleven thirteen. When you ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You know, an earthly father doesn't give a, a son that asks a fish, give him a stone. He doesn't give a scorpion to a man that, to a son that asks him an egg. All this is about prayer in Luke 11. Then it gets to verse 13, and it says, How much more will your heavenly Father give? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, to them that ask Him. It, I, I, I'm just a little discouraged. I'm just a little frustrated with all of us that we will pray for doctor's visits. I'm comfortable praying for a doctor's visit as long as we've prayed five or ten or twenty times for the Holy Spirit for each doctor's visit. Right. Then, I'm, then I'm okay. And I hope, I hope you understand me, Amen. that I'm not, I'm not off crazy-like. I'm, I'm always crazy-like because the Bible's crazy-like compared to the natural man. Amen. I want us to all have wonderful health. Does the Bible say that good health is a blessing and that we should wish that blessing on others? I do know the Bible, I hope, a little tiny bit. And so I will read this passage to you for those of you that think that I've just gone off the deep end and pretty soon the red Kool-Aid's going to come out. Beloved, 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. But then he says, Even as thy soul prospereth. Amen. I don't care much for your health if your soul's not prospering. I care more for your soul prospering. And that's why I had trouble a few minutes ago and didn't explain myself very well. The Lord knows. And I care about all of you and I care about me and I want to make sure that our priorities are what God said. One thing have I desired of the Lord, so we've got to ask the Lord for this and that will I seek after. We don't want to just pray for it, we want to go seeking it. We want to go seeking the house of the Lord. We want to be here. We want to be here early. We want to be here prepared. We want to have prayed for it. We want to participate in every way that we can participate. We want to be zealous for the house of the Lord. This is God's temple on earth. You need to go home and put in that little magnifying glass again, that search box, what is a church? And be reminded of all the things this local church is. It doesn't look very impressive, and it isn't very impressive, and it doesn't have very impressive people in it. And I speak for all of us, but this is the temple of the living God. This is greater than Solomon's temple. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David, worships here with us. He walks among his golden candlestick. This is the pillar and ground of the truth. This is where God's saints come together. This is where worship and praise is made and accepted. All the sacrifices that come out of here are made acceptable by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could go on and on like I did with slides in that slide presentation I'm reminding you of. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. David fought zealously for God's kingdom. 
For the first half of his life, it was killing Philistines, Edomites, Syrians, Ammonites, and anybody that got in his way to expand the borders of Israel to fulfill God's command for Israel. And as soon as that was over, did he retire? Did he golf? Did he work out? Yes, he worked out. He went and worked hauling gold, silver, brass, and iron without number and without measure. Reading First and Second Kings and First Chronicles should just excite you at one man's enthusiasm that infected a nation and infected foreign kings or affected them would be a better word. Hiram, king of Tyre, floating cedars down the Mediterranean and sending men to haul them in and craftsmen to to chop to make these blocks of marble and the these cedar walls and the gold. And it sometimes it just says. They didn't, they stopped counting because they couldn't even weigh it all. Some of you give, and the Lord knows. And I want us all to to give and live. I I, want to burn out for the Lord Jesus Christ. What a way to go. Give, Give me the big one when I'm serving you. Don't give me the big one when I'm doing something foolish and wasting time. Do you understand that feeling? I want us all to have that feeling. I don't want us to be preoccupied with living forever. I don't care how long I live, as long as I'm productive, as long as I live. I'll let Him make the choice of how long I live. It doesn't matter. And I'm not going to get worried about it, because eating vitamins and going to see most of the doctors you go to see ain't going to help you. The Lord is my physician, and He ought to be your physician. I want to keep our attention on our spirits. Listen, I have so many health problems with my spirit on a regular basis, that's far more important to me than the little health problems I have with my body. Do you all agree with me? Do you understand what I mean by that? The temptations and the prone to wander, as we heard two brothers say already, that's a spirit health problem. Lord, help us. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. You will not be disappointed if you seek after the Lord. He will be found. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to lay aside every weight. What weights are holding you back from running your race like you were David? Lay aside those weights. The sins that easily beset you, get them out of your life so that we can live for Jesus Christ better. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord right here. David had a tabernacle at Gibeon in Jerusalem. You know, Moses built... A, f- a fabulous tabernacle for the Lord by his instructions. He brought the blueprint down from Mount Sinai. Bezalel was the gifted man that crafted the whole thing. But when David became king, where, where was the Ark of the Covenant when David became king? It was sitting in a man's house where Saul had left it for 40 years. Saul hadn't done a thing about it. What a profane man. Did, did Saul ever go to worship? Did Saul ever meet with the congregation of the Lord and they'd say, God save the king? Is that found in the Bible? Yeah, that man ended up with a witch. That man ended up that man ended up having his entire family cut off. That man ended up having his tribe cut off. But what about David? As soon as he gets in office, he wants to move the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as he takes the city of Jebus, which was renamed Jerusalem, do you know what he did? He pitched another tent for the Lord. The original tent of Moses was in Gibeon. He pitched a new tent in Jerusalem. And put the Ark of the Covenant there. Mm-hmm. He he wanted he probably didn't even know that. It's Second Chronicles nineteen, seventeen, sixteen. It'll tell you about that second covenant that that second tabernacle that David pitched. 
You know, God said you can't build me a a temple, okay? Will a new tent help? I want you to... One thing have I desired of the Lord. See, we're talking about a man that God told us more about than all other men in the Bible. God loved this man. And this man loved God. And the two of them had a relationship I want for all of you, and I certainly I want for all of you. As, I, as we pray in this church that God will bless other churches as much as we ask for ourselves, I pray that He will bless you in the same way I want to be like David. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord of the New Testament. This is where God the Holy Spirit inhabits His people and dwells. You know, there was a pillar of fire and there was a pillar of cloud and there was glory that would shine on Moses' face in the Old Testament, but we don't need all those visual aids. We have the lasting presence of the Holy Spirit of God and this is how the Lord Jesus Christ is worshipped. And Jesus Christ is in this house and He's walking among His candlestick by His Spirit. We want to love this church and do anything we can for it. In a week's 168 hours, what do you do to build up God's house? Do you make it here for four hours a week? One-fortieth? 2.5% of your time? How much do you pray for it? How much do you encourage others? How much do you give for it? How great do you want to make this church? Not for our praise at all. Look at our website and see if you can find who we are. Who I am. All we want to do is present the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him and serve Him that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why do you live? I can tell you why David wanted to live. For the house of his God. You're taking your temperature right now, and some of you don't like taking your temperature because you're self-righteous and you think you're pretty perfect. Tell the Lord that. He already sees and knows that you've got things out of priority. Maybe I've got some things out of priority. But this service of ours is to get our lives back in priority. It's to get convicted and to be reminded as we go out of here, why am I alive? Why do I live? Why do I care about living longer? What am I going to do with longer life if the Lord gave it to me if I'm not doing that right now? If you're not doing it right now, you're not going to do it with extended time. If you had extended time, you're just going to presume on it like you have present time. I don't want us to presume on any time. All the days of my life. Is the church of God your permanent choice to seek out God and His people always? What else is there in life? Really now, could you help me understand some of your distractions? I know there's other things we have to do. But other things that creep in and compete with loving Jesus, the son of David. What is it that creeps into your life? Get it out of your life. Why did David want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life? Because there were two things in church that are very meaningful. Number one, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Where do we get to see the beauty of the Lord? On the internet? At work? At school? at a car lot while you're looking for that joy of your life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Reason number one for God's house 
And for your ambition to be in God's house for all of your life is to behold the beauty of the Lord. God meets with His people right here. This is where God chooses to meet. When you were singing the song, The Love of God, were you meeting the Lord? Were you, were you thinking about, oh, your love is incredible. What were you thinking about when you sang that song? You were meeting the Lord. Did you see the Lord? Do you know how you see the Lord? You listen. The other people in this assembly were singing to you about the love of God, and it's measureless. Did you see the Lord? Did Moses ever see the Lord? Be very careful. The Bible says he saw the Lord. Did he see anything, or did he hear? Did Job ever see the Lord? Did he say he saw the Lord? How did he see the Lord? He heard. We come into this house and we sing to each other. We speak and teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The Word of God is read. Psalms are read. Scripture is opened. We have all kinds of Scripture. We have Scripture in the back room. We have testimonies and thanksgivings. And you hear all this about the Lord. You see Him. It's to behold the beauty of the Lord. David never saw God, but he said he wanted to be in the house of the Lord to behold the beauty of the Lord. Because that's where you go and hear about God and see Him with the eye of faith. A holy, reverent, solemn setting is why it's important for our church to not join the casual excess of our generation. The correct doctrine of Jesus Christ, and thank you, brother, for caring about the least things and the least commandments of God's Word so that we follow Him according to the due order. That's how we see God. He reveals Himself to us. Martha, Martha. Do you know the passage? Luke 10. Mary and Martha, two friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. One's in the kitchen. One's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen and she says, Lord, tell Mary to come and help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried about too many things. Mary has chosen the good thing. Here's the problem. Are you even as good as Martha? At least Martha was in a kitchen preparing a meal for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you preparing them for? Let's make sure we have our priorities right. There's Mary, there's Martha, and there's us. We can get so worked up about each other, about our families, about our friends. We've got Mary, Martha, and us. Let's get all the way up to Mary. Do you know what Jesus said about her? She's chosen the good thing. One good... I like the Bible. One good thing. Have I desired the Lord? Mary chose that one good thing. She wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus and behold the beauty of the Lord. The second thing for the house of the Lord is to inquire in His temple. How do we know God's will for our lives? How do we know what He wants from us? How do we know what He's done for us? How can we better please Him? If you love someone, you want to know and you will ask questions if you really love them. You will ask them to find out what they really like so that you can give them what they really like. And how do we find out God's will that He really loves for His children to do? What He wants us to know, what He wants us to know about the future, what He wants us to do, it's all found in His house. 
That's what David said. One thing, if I desire the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I want to go where God's Word is opened and I find out the mind of the Lord. I find the will of God laid out to me. Are you a lover and seeker of God's truth? His truth is revealed in the church. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The elect remnant church in Revelation chapter 12 are those that have the testimony of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. Truth isn't on the internet. Truth, truth is in the church of Jesus, His teachers, and His word. Right. And we should want to be here for those two reasons. Man has a powerful instinct and a craving desire to live, but most haven't identified why they should live, why they want another day. Just to live another day, just to breathe, eat, defecate, sleep. Please, I don't understand. The obligations and responsibilities you have in your life have to do them, need to do them. They please God when you do them, as long as they are always under the Lord Jesus Christ as the preeminence, preeminent theme, preeminent person, preeminent goal in your life. When the Bible talks about working hard in Colossians chapter 3 or Ephesians chapter 6, it says, doing it as unto the Lord. When it talks about a wife submitting to her husband, as unto the Lord, as if that man were the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it as if it were Jesus Christ. The things found in the Bible that we have to do, we do as unto the Lord. The, the civil authorities that we have to obey. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Who are we serving when we serve the king? When we serve the president? We're serving God. We turn everything around to serving the Lord. We're always thinking about serving the Lord Christ in everything we do. Whether exercise or medicine, why do you want to prolong your life? 1 Timothy 4.8 says, In bodily, bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Godliness. Christ-centered lives. Lord God, I love you, and I want to burn myself out for you. I want you to be the center of every day, the theme of every thought, the foundation behind the words that I speak. Let my words be few that aren't related to you. I want us to be living for Christ. I want us to practice this verse, one thing. Have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. May the Lord help each one of us to have our priorities straight every day. Amen.